Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning or good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast and all the other coasts throughout the world. And also, good morning for those on the West Coast and around the world. My name is Kennard Brown, your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, Today is uh, March 6th. Uh, 2010 in the United States and in other parts of, of the world. I know it's probably the 7th of March or perhaps the 5th. Um, as I was talking about last week, I, I was talking about uh, who is the New World Order, what are they about, and so forth. So I'm going to go into a little more detail about that. And then later on in the show today, I'm going to talk about health and how the Bible reveals we should take care of ourselves. And I tried to <laughs> prepare for this Bible study as best I could, and um, I may need to look some, some other scriptures up why I'm giving this Bible study to uh, complete it as far as the health is concerned. There's some scriptures I wanted to go over as well. So anyway, be patient with me, and what we're going to do is go over um, what uh, Babylon is and what does it have to do with the New World Order and everything else. And what is the significance of, of the temple? As I explain to you right now, and I didn't have time to look up all the uh, the proof that this is happening as I'm speaking, but uh, you, you need to go to the templeinstitute.org website, www.templeinstitute.org, and that will tell you everything about what the Jews are planning in regards to building the prophesied third temple that uh, many people don't understand is prophesied in the Bible. And it's happening. And they will be, I, I got this information from Prophecy in the News. You can go to Prophecy in the News, uh, go ahead and type the phrase Prophecy in the News in Google. And you'll go to Prophecy in the News website, and they, their latest issue, I think, for April, will give you all the proof you need that the Jews will be sacrificing or trying to sacrifice or make an attempt to sacrifice, which is e- even significant in itself, even if they do not do the actual sacrifices for them to even be inspired to do it shows you that biblical prophecy will soon be fulfilled. But anyway, March 29th is the Jewish Passover based on their calculated calendar and they plan on doing it at that time at the Temple Mount. So I think the only thing that may be holding them up is is the Israeli government and so forth. But the fact that they are even inspired and motivated to do it is prophecy being fulfilled in itself so it's a very significant event and anyone that that believes the bible and takes it seriously should take what's what's going 
on seriously right now. Because you know what Yeshua or Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 24. Let's turn there again. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 15. It says, When you shall... When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, so that lets you know, okay, for us to fully understand this, we need to go to Daniel to get the correct interpretation. Stand in the holy place. Now, those most average people that read the Bible know what the holy place is talking about, and some ministers that, that have been training correctly think it's talking about a spiritual place. But the holy place is talking about one of the compartments of the temple, and you wouldn't notice unless you study the temple and, and, and how it is designed. There's two main places in the temple. You have the Holy of Holies, where you have the mercy seat located, and then you have the holy place, where the priests prepare to do the sacrifices. And that's what he was talking about here. There's going to be something in the holy place. And then he said right here, it's a prophecy to let everyone know that he knows that some a lot of people won't understand this. He said, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Because even today, people have their various crazy and, quite frankly, stupid interpretations of this. So if we go to Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, this is no doubt that this is talking about the end time. In other parts of Daniel, it talks about the abomination of desolation. And also, you must study the Apocrypha uh, writings uh, that talks about this as well, the Maccabees because it tells you exactly what the abomination of desolation is, and it's simply, the abomination of desolation is simply putting something in the holy place where it ought not to be. Now, back during the time of Antiochus Epiphanes, which is a type of the anti-Messiah, what he did, he put a statue of Zeus in the temple, and he sacrificed pigs on the altar. So that was to God an abomination of desolation. I don't know if there's going to be a pig sacrifice in the altar in these end times, but obviously there's going to be something in the holy place that is going to be abominable to God, and it's going to cause desolation. So that's what that means. Now, in Daniel chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, And at this time shall Michael stand up, the one who is like God. I'll let you figure out who that is. Anyway, the great prince which stands for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book, and that book obviously must be the book of life. Verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. And that word, um, what is that word? Abhorrence. Everlasting abhorrence. Doesn't say punishment, but abhorrence. Verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So that, that's a key significant scripture there. If you're righteous, you are going to be so bright that you're going to be as bright as the stars and as bright as the firmament. And it states that if you turn many to righteousness, you're going to be as the stars forever and ever. So we're definitely not going to be human beings anymore. Verse 4, he says, but thou, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. What book? The prophetic book that he's talking about here. Even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased, which has to be a prophecy about the Internet. Because people that are poor, 
rich or in-between can access any knowledge now through the Internet. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on the other side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? How long shall it be until... All these prophecies are fulfilled. That's what Daniel, one of the wisest men ever in the history of the world, was asking. Verse 7, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time, when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people. The holy people have power, ladies and gentlemen. And all these things shall be finished. Verse 8, And I heard, but he didn't. He still didn't understand. As wise as Daniel was, he did not understand says, I, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Verse 9, and he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till when? Till today, the 21st century, the time of the end. Verse 10, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. And that means exactly what it says. If you're wicked, if you don't believe all the words of the Bible, etc., you are not going to understand what I'm telling you today. All right, none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And who are the wise? The wise are the people that hate evil, that they hate evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, back in Proverbs chapter 1. And Proverbs 8 verse 13 states that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. For you to hate evil, you must obey God and his commandments. Now, verse 11, in, the, in this context, Whenever you see sacrifices daily and all that, it's talking about the temple. And from the time that the daily and the word sacrifice was added there, and it should have been, it's a good addition, because the daily, if you, when you understand Hebraically, is talking about the uh, morning sacrifice of the lamb and the evening sacrifice of the lamb. Shall be taken away, and, the, and so if that's taken away, obviously there must be an altar that they're sacrificing uh, this lamb on, and they have already built an altar already. You have to do some searching. Uh, under Google, but you can do it can be a little easier for you by actually uh, getting the magazine, the recent magazine that Prophecy in the News has. Hopefully next week I'll have more information and I can refer you to these websites and other sources that I have discovered that proves that they have actually built an altar already. They already have an altar to do sacrifices now. The, the Temple Institute has, has uh, created that altar. Altar. Anyway, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. So it was taken away. It was stopped. And the abomination, that make of desolate set up. So it's something that's going to be... Hold your place here. Let's turn to Matthew. And I'm talking about this because this is getting ready to happen, ladies and gentlemen. So that's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> I have to talk about it. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Verse 14. It says, But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and what am I doing? I'm reading... From Daniel the prophet, right? Standing where it ought not. Okay, so something's going to be standing where it ought not, in the holy place. Back in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. It says, let him that reads understand. And he wants you to understand this. So whenever you read it, understand it. So anyway, go back to Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. And from the time that the daily shall be taken away, so the, the lamb sacrificial, uh, sacrificial offerings will be stopped. And the abomination that make us set up, which Christ described as something standing in the holy place, 
there shall be 1,290 days. It says, Blessed is he that waiteth and come to the 1,330. I'll do a Bible study on this in the future about what that means. And verse 13, But go thou thy way to the MB, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy light at the end of the days. Well, the days mean actual days um, that this abomination of desolation will be set up. So, what I want you to focus on right now is the temple. The temple, the temple. The temple will be built. Um, what many people perhaps don't understand about this particular prophecy, if you look at Isaiah chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So this prophecy is about the Jews and Jerusalem. Verse 2, and it shall come to pass in the last days, the days before the coming of the Messiah, that's, that's what the days that we're living in now, that the mountain of the Lord's house, which is uh, the Lord's house, is a Jewish idiom for the temple, which right now is the mount of the temple, and Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. That means that all nations will be attracted to this temple. And this is going to happen in the days of the coming of the Messiah, which is a twofold prophecy. Number one, this prophecy predicts that the temple will be built before Yeshua Messiah comes back. Second of all, it predicts that the temple will remain when he comes back. All right. So, in verse 3, And many people shall come and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. So the mountain of the Lord is defined interpreted by the Bible, not by a Jewish rabbi or minister, as the house of, uh, of, God, of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his path. What is his ways? His ways is the Torah. And I get some people saying that, well, it can't be the Torah is talking about here. Well, of course, it, what, what is his ways? His ways is the Torah. His, his way of life, his character is, hold your place here and turn to First John. First John. We, we we all have this tendency not to want to, this natural tendency, as Romans 8, verse 7 reveals, not to want to obey God. But we've we got to fight that constantly and realize that he wants us to obey him. And you don't know him if you don't obey him. And why? Because his commandments reveal his character. First John 2, verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. If you don't keep his commandments, you don't know him. So, your brain should be kicking in and using its natural ability to reason properly, and, and you should be realizing that, of course, God's way must be his commandments. All right, so 1 John 2, verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. When you keep God's commandments, you know him. When you don't keep his commandments, you don't. And in verse 4 of 1 John chapter 2, He that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people, Jews and Gentiles alike, that say that they keep his commandments. And yet, yet, the Bible tells you plainly that the truth is not in them if they don't keep his commandments. And yet they're saying that they know him. Okay? So I just wanted to point that out. It's a very important thing to understand before we proceed here. So getting back to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we understand his ways is his commandments. 
and we, we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the Torah, or the teachings and doctrines of God, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse 4, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, which indicates that many people need to be corrected. And they shall beat their swords in the plowshares, and their spears in the pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, remember in Daniel chapter 12, let's, let's go back and turn there again. Daniel chapter 12 is something that I don't think too many people have noticed, but by God's mercy I've noticed this. Daniel chapter 12. Now notice the phraseology here, and I'm going to go to, to uh, Revelation chapter 10. Now, realize that Daniel chapter 12, the whole focus is what? The temple, the temple, the temple. Because all hell is going to break loose when the sacrifices are stopped, as it states here in Daniel chapter 12. Uh, verses 11. Yeah, verse 11. All right, so in Daniel chapter 12, verse 7, it says, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years, and, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, and all these things shall be finished. And then Daniel asked, I don't understand what you're talking about. And then he explained about the temple and the daily sacrifices. So the temple has something to do with this angel swearing to heaven. So let's get, let's get back to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. I want you to notice something here. Revelation chapter 10. Now, this context is talking about a little book, and people had a little theories about what they think the little book is and what it says. But the point of the matter is, this little book has something to do, again, with the temple. And let's look at Revelation chapter 10, starting in, in verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. Now, this is similar phraseology to Daniel chapter 12 and... One of the major keys of understanding Daniel chapter 12 is understanding the temple and its significance to not only the people of Israel, but to everyone around the world. So, Revelation chapter 10, starting in verse 5, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the, and the sea and the things that therein, that there shall be time no longer. So, time no longer, what is that talking about? Well, there's obviously some kind of delay verse 7 but in the days of the voice of the seven angel when he shall begin to sound we're living in those days now the mystery of God shall be finished as he has declared to his servants the prophets okay and in verse 8 and the voice which I heard from heaven spoken to me again said go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the scene upon the earth and I went unto the angel and said unto him give me the little book and he said take it eat it and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. This is similar phraseology uh, when you look at Ezekiel. And he told Ezekiel to do the same thing. Verse 10. So this has something to do with prophecy. It has something to do with the temple. You have to put two and two together. Verse 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And even in the book of Ezekiel, it has something to do with the temple. When you start in Ezekiel chapter 40. 48 is talking about the construction of the temple verse 11 and he said unto me thou must prophesy again before many peoples nations tongues and kings 
which is very, very interesting. And then, here we go. Revelation 11, verse 1. Here we go with the temple again. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood rising, saying, Rise, and measure the temple. And the measuring of the temple is a Jewish understanding of the fact that the temple was going to be constructed. And the altar and them that worshiped therein. All right? And for proof of that, let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 40. Ezekiel chapter 40. Ezekiel chapter 40. Same phraseology is used. Okay. Ezekiel 40, verse 1. In the fifth and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after that city was smitten, in the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. In the visions of the Lord, in future prophetic visions, brought me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain by which was as a frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of a brass with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. Verse 4, And a man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thy heart upon all that I shall show thee, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou hither. Declare all that thou see to the house of Israel, and when you understand who the house of Israel is, it's not talking about the Jews only. It's talking about the other tribes, which consists of the United States geographically, uh, the United Kingdom, the British people, the countries in northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand. It's talking about those people geographically. It's also talking about people that are scattered throughout the world who have accepted Yeshua Messiah because Yeshua is a type of Israel. He's the servant of the Lord. So, as you can see here, God wants this to be declared to the house of Israel. That's what I'm doing, and that's what other people, or a few of them anyway, are doing, is declaring the importance of the temple to the house of Israel. All right, so that's very important. In verse 5, and behold, a wall on the outside of the house Round about and in the man's hand a measuring reed of six cubits long by a cubit in the hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building. So I, I just wanted to show this to you that whenever you see the reed here in Revelation chapter 11, it's talking about measuring the temple. It's giving you a clue to understand that this is talking about an actual physical temple, not a spiritual temple, as, as many Christian ministers try to spiritualize this. But it's talking about an actual temple. Now, in verse 2, But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city, Jerusalem, shall they thread 42 months or three and a half years. Now, what did the angels say back in Daniel chapter 12? Let's look at that again. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, and starting in verse 4 again, he says, but, but, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time and the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, and one on this side of the bank of the river, and one on the other side. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be the end of these wonders? And he told him it would be three and a half years. But he told them in the context of the temple, when you look at all the other scriptures and put them together. Verse 7, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swore by him to live it forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. 
when he shall have accomplished the scattered power of the holy people, and all these things shall be finished. Now, when you look at Revelation 11, verse 1, And there was given to me a reed like unto a rod. So you understand that's referring to the measurement of the temple. And the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the, the, the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city, Jerusalem, shall they thread underfoot forty-two months. Forty-two months is three and a half years. Verse 3. Now what's going to happen when they start to thread underfoot Jerusalem? Well, verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy, again, the same time period, three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. All right? So the abomination of desolation is going to occur and will initiate the three and a half years or 42 months. That's what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. And for more proof of that, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And starting at verse 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then you know that the desolation thereof is near. Then let him which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them there are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written will be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, in other words, woe unto them who are pregnant, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down into Gentiles to the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, what does it say in Revelation chapter 11? It states here in verse 2, But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it now, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they thread underfoot forty-two months. So that's three and a half years. And then Christ says here in Luke chapter 21, uh, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive to all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Trodden down of the Gentiles. And until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. All right, so it's talking about the same event. All right, so we know that when the abomination of desolation occurs, that will initiate the three and a half years uh, that the tribulation uh, will last. The tribulation is going to last uh, two and a half years. And then, of course, uh, the day of the Lord will last a year based on scriptures. But the whole time period of trouble is going to last three and a half years. So I just wanted to point that out to you. How much time do I have left here? Uh, one hour and three minutes. Plenty of time. All right, so I just wanted to, to focus on that in particular and then also the, the commandment that God gave about sacrificing at the temple. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, starting in verse 13. He states, Take heed to thyself that you do not offer burnt offerings in every place that you see. Verse 14. But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. So the place that he's chosen right now is Jerusalem. So that's the reason why the Jews want to offer the sacrifices. They're inspired now for the first time, in, I mean seriously inspired for the first time in, in 2,000 years to do this. This is biblically significant. And I've showed you scriptures that God has prophesied through the prophets and through Yeshua. And remember, when when 
Jesus gave the Olivet Prophecy, he was at the temple. So that should give you another another hint, subliminal hint that the temple is is involved in all this. Okay, so I just wanted to explain that. Now, what is the new world order, the new world order, and what does the Bible have to say about it? Now, to understand what the new world order is, we've got to understand history, and I'm going to try to summarize this as, sim as, as simplistic as I can. This civilization, of course, began with Adam and Eve, but we know what happened. Um, I'm going to get into that a little more in this Bible study about the flood and in reference to health and so forth, so I'm going to cover that later on. But we know what happened, and God decided to destroy all of mankind except eight people, including Noah, and a select a few of the animals and insects and all life. They were taken upon the ark. Now, I want you to focus on what happened after the flood. After the flood, what happened? Well, let's turn to Genesis. Genesis. So Genesis chapter 11, starting at verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language of one speech. So everyone spoke, unlike today, of course, everyone spoke the same language. Everyone spoke the same language, which many people think was Hebrew. Verse 2, And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, which is incredibly uh, in the land of Iraq today, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. Burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, that not we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built it. And the Lord said, Behold, this people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them. And he actually, he absolutely meant nothing, ladies and gentlemen. I think people just read this and don't understand the significance of what God is saying here. But he stated that, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. He's saying that man is capable of creating anything he thinks in his mind to do. When they are united like this, when they have united as one and have one language and, and you no know, geographical restrictions, man is unlimited in what he can do on a physical plane. That's what he's saying here. Now, in verse 7, he says, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So why did God do this? Why did God prevent mankind at this particular period of time from having the capability of being able to do anything that, that comes to their mind on a physical plane. Well, I, I brought this up before in a Bible study, but I'm going to bring it again here. Let me look at my notes here. Um, right here. Well, I believe what, what it has to be, because it, can, it can't be anything else here. Um, the origin of different languages and the scattering of mankind all over the earth happened for, for a reason. If God would have allowed mankind to continue to build a tower, they would have eventually developed a nuclear bomb. God did not desire for mankind at that particular time to reach the level of intelligence to create a nuclear bomb. And this is the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, 
Yeshua or Jesus had to come and sacrifice his life for mankind, as Yeshua stated. And unless those days were shortened, which with no doubt has to be talking about the days of the 21st century, says no flesh would be saved. That's in Matthew chapter 24, verse 22. So Matthew 24, verse 22 states that unless these days of the 21st century were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Shorted meaning that the days of man trying to rule himself would be terminated. And, of course, he would come back to show us how to rule ourselves properly. But anyway, mankind would have destroyed himself in the days of Nimrod if God did not create different languages and scatter mankind. So what that did in effect, ladies and gentlemen, is delay man from reaching that point of being able to do anything on the physical plane. Now, he effectively delayed the invention of the nuclear bomb. And I just want to repeat again, he did that by creating the different languages, which significantly prevented mankind from quickly creating a nuclear bomb. That's one of the stress to have for the third time, I guess. Now, the nuclear bomb was created in 1945, which is probably the most significant date in history, as far as modern history is concerned, 1945. And I talked about this before. I'm going to talk about it again. On August 6, 1945, President Harry Truman, you can look this video up on, on uh, YouTube if you want, stated the following during his announcement that the U.S. had dropped an atomic bomb on Hiroshima. This is what he stated, which I believe is prophetic. The basic power of the universe has been harnessed for war by the United States. Now, prior to 1945, mankind did not harness or tap into the power of the universe. But in 1945, he did. The fact that we can release atomic energy ushers in a new era in man's understanding of nature's forces. Atomic energy may in the future supplement the power that comes now from coal, oil, and falling water, but at present it cannot be produced on a basis to compete with them commercially. Before that comes, there must be a long period of intensive research. It has never been the habit of the scientists of this country or the policy of this government to withhold from the world scientific knowledge. Normally, therefore, everything about the work with atomic energy would be made public, but under the present circumstances, it is not intended to divulge the technical processes of production or all the military applications pending further examination of possible methods of protecting us and the rest of the world from the danger of sudden destruction. So we reached that point in 1945 that God did not want the Babylonians or the, 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 the Tower of Babel people here to reach, where we would tap into the power of the universe to the point of where we can destroy all of mankind. Well, we reached that in 1945 because he stated here that, um, but under the present circumstance, it is not intended to divulge the technical process of production of all the military applications pending further examination of possible methods of protecting us and the rest of the world from the danger of sudden destruction. So this was a very, very serious uh, event in world history, ladies and gentlemen, in 1945, in particular in August 6, 1945, when we uh, destroyed a significant part of the population of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So, God stated that mankind was united in having one language in the days of Nimrod. The universal language of the 21st century right now is English. The United Nations was created October 24, 1945, over five months after the first nuclear bomb was dropped. 
Currently, the UN includes almost every recognized state in the world. So the UN is a type of the Tower of Babel or the Tower of Babel in, in reference to what was going on after the flood. Now, today, Babylon is located in the modern country of Iraq. And the ruins of the ancient city of Babylon can be found near the city of Hala in the province of Babel, approximately 60 miles south of Baghdad. Babylon is on the Euphrates River near the Persian Gulf. The tomb of the prophet Ezekiel, which is pretty interesting again, is considered to be located in Hala. All right, so it is very interesting that the U.S., the most powerful nation and military in the world, the nation that was the first to develop a nuclear bomb and use it on another nation, Japan, has invaded Iraq, which is modern Babylon today in the 21st century. And God reveals that there are angels being prepared for a specific hour, day, and month, and year to kill 33% or one-third of mankind near the great river Euphrates. And the Euphrates River runs through Turkey, Syria, and Iraq, which is the Middle East, and empties out at the Persian Gulf. This is in Revelation 9, verse 13 and 15. All right, so anyway, I just wanted to to, to uh, clarify that and get you to understand, give you a little background into what I'm going to lead into here about what Babel is or what Babylon is. Now, so we know that the name Babel or the word Babel means confusion. It means confusion. And confusion does not come from God, so we, we know where the confusion comes from. We know where the confusion comes from. So um, this civilization started on the foundation of confusion. All right? I just want to point that out. Now, you, you had Nimrod's kingdom, Babel, and then his kingdom was scattered. And then you had Egypt coming up next. But it built upon the foundation of confusion. And it only supports the scriptures when it states that the devil has tricked the whole world, back in Revelation 12, verse 9. This current civilization was, was founded on confusion. You have Egypt, and then after Egypt you have Isaria. Now, Isaria's kingdom, its headquarters, was located in Iraq. And then, of course, you have the kingdom of Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. Also in Iraq, they conquered Isaria. And then the Persians, which are the modern-day Iranians today, they conquered Babylon. But as you can see, the, the focus of attention back then, geographically, was Iraq and Iran. And would you believe it? Today, the focus of world trouble is primarily in those two areas today. You have, we have military troops here in Iraq, and we also... Uh, having problems with Iran in that particular area, and it, it appears that perhaps we may attack Iran soon. And then Greece conquered Persia, and we know that that initiated the start of Western civilization. And then we know that the Roman Empire uh, eventually conquered Greece, and from the Roman Empire, many people don't realize is Britain was a part of the Roman Empire. That's where they got the idea of the British Empire and so forth. And when Britain 
became very powerful back during the Industrial Revolution in, in, in 1800, that began uh, a boom of uh, technological production. It began the uh, the common trend of today of moving away from the farm and depending on foods and so forth by going to the grocery store and so forth. But anyway, Britain, um, they expanded Western civilization, so much so that you had Britons migrate over into the United States, North America, Canada, and what is called the United States of America today. And, of course, the United States of America created the nuclear bomb and detonated it over Hiroshima and Nagasaki in August 6th of 1945. That was a significant date in world history. And then we've had, ever since that time, we've, we've had various wars, and, and but lately the one that we really need to focus on right now is these conflicts with, these conflicts rather, with Iraq and Iran. Iraq and Iran is in the area of ancient Babylon. The United Nations was created in 1945, and that really is the modern Tower of Babel today. Then you have NATO, which consists of 24 European nations and four non-European nations. And this was formulated shortly after the United Nations back in 1945. Now, in the year 2002, you have this quartet, which the quartet symbolizes the whole world, basically. It consists of the United States, Russia, the European Union, and Germany. The United States, Russia, European Union, Germany, and United Nations. Okay, So you the United States, Russia, European Union. When you really talk about the European Union, you're talking about Germany because they dominate economically. And the United Nations. That is the quartet. And this is, this is kind of, when you read Daniel chapter 7, there's a great possibility it could be talking about these four power blocks. And the goal of the quartet is to officially divide Jerusalem. And that's what they're trying to do as I'm speaking right now. So that gives you a, a snapshot here of the history of Babel, Babylon, or what many call today the New World Order. And as I explained, this Antimessiah, and he must be alive now, will reveal himself and, and stop sacrifices once the Jews get going with it. And the Great Tribulation will last for three and a half years or 42 months. And Second Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about this. Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation chapter 13. Uh, I'll read that a little bit here. Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. says, and I stood upon the sea, in verse 1, I stood upon the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were like unto the feet of a bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion, and, and the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. Saw one of his heads as it was wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. 
They worshipped the dragon, which gave power into the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is likened to the beast, who was able to make war with him, which means that this is a war and military, uh, a war-making and military power, verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 42 months. Verse 6, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, his temple. And then that dwell in heaven. Verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So he's going to be given power for three and a half years. And verse 8, And, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names were not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. So he's saying, please listen. And then Revelation 13, verse 11, and I heard another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, which is symbolic of a religious power here, and he spoke as a dragon. Verse 12. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him and caused the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. So we know just based upon the context, this has to be talking about a religious power. I know people think saying this in the United States, but if you understand a biblical text, it's talking about worship. Uh, and then uh, then also it talks about him doing miracles, which Elijah did. Obviously, this is a religious figure. Um, then that dwell there and to worship the first piece, his deadly wound was healed. And he does great wonders so that he make a fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. That's what exactly what Elijah did. Verse 14. And to see them that, so this is like a false Elijah. Verse 11, 14. And to see them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, as I just alluded to, uh, going to deceive them by miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And this means exactly what it means, an image. Uh, I think another uh, way to understand this, and you go back to Daniel, because a lot of the book of Revelation is linked to Daniel, and you look at Daniel chapter uh, 3, it talks about a statue that was created, an image of gold. So, this is allusion to that. I don't know if there's going to be a statue that big to fit in the temple, but obviously there's going to be some kind of image that's going to be created for people to worship. Verse 15, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause him, and this means exactly what it says. Obviously there's going to be some miracle to cause people to believe that this uh, statue can speak. Verse 16, And he calls all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads. So socioeconomics has something to do with all this. Verse 17, And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name. In other words, they can't work unless they uh, have the mark or the name of the beast or they, they submit to the beast. All right? And then it says here, Here is wisdom. Let him that understand. Count the number of the beast. It is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score 6, which tells you that this is a man. So anyway, um, that gives you a short snapshot. You can study Daniel 7 on your own and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. It gives you uh, some more detail about the characteristics of the anti-Messiah. There's many anti-Messiahs, but there's going to be one that's going to be ruling over all the rest of them, including the world. Now, I implore you to look at the following videos to educate yourself on what's going on here. Uh, America freedom to fascism america freedom to fascism look it up on google the fall of the republic i i gave these websites last week when i'm going to do it again www.iousa the movie.com 
truthin2008.org, The Money Masters, How International Bankers Gain Control of America, The Obama Deception. Yes, I know that may sound shocking to some people, but not only Obama, but many presidents, <laughs> they, they, you have to understand their role, basically, and those videos explain to you. I don't know whether or not Obama means to deceive on purpose, but uh, this video, the Obama deception, kind of helps you to understand what the real role of the President of the United States has been for a while. Okay. So we understand what the New World Order is. It, it originated from the Tower of Babel. It's confusion. It's, it's a um, type of um, government that does not go by the laws of God. And it's a type of government that is geared to destroy. Because let's look at Daniel. I'm going to have to go to Daniel chapter 7 here for this. Daniel chapter 7. Starting at verse 15. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions in my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of these things. Verse 17. These great kings, which are four, are four kings which shall rise out of the earth. And I told you that there's a great possibility that a quartet could be what these great beasts are. When you look at history and look at the quartet and what they're trying to do. Verse 18, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Verse 19, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and of nails of brass, was devoured, breaking pieces, and stamped a residue with his feet. It's interesting because, you know, a nuclear bomb is, is, consists of iron and brass. Anyway, verse 20, and of the ten horns which were in his head and of the other which came up and, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, his look was more stout or different than his fellows. Verse 21, I beheld, and the same horn made war against the saints. I just talked about that. He's going to do that for three and a half years and prevailed against them. Until the Ancient of Days came, the Father through the Son, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Then he said, the fourth beast, shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all other kingdoms, or different from all other kingdoms. This is going to be something that never has happened before. And shall devour the whole earth. It means what it says. This, this modern-day Babel is going to destroy the whole earth. That's what it says. And shall devour the whole earth, and shall thread it down and break it in pieces. And, of course, nuclear bombs will have something to do with it. It's not the only weapons they're going to use, but no doubt they will use it. Verse 24, And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them. He shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. Verse 25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And that's what's going on today. And they shall be given into his hand until what? A time, time, and a dividing of time, three and a half years. Verse 26, But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it until the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the whole kingdom of the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. So that gives you a short synopsis of what the New World Order is going to do and how they're going to be destroyed or stopped.
from their foolishness. All right, so that, that gives you a synopsis. Now, this is a few things that we need to, to do to, to make sure that we have a chance to be protected because I'm talking about physically protected as well as spiritually because Christ stated that we should pray that we would, uh, well, let's turn to it. In Luke chapter 21, and I'm sure that you guys want to be protected from all this, so uh, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 36. It says, watch ye, well, verse, let's, let's uh, notice what he says here. Luke chapter 21, verse 34, and take heed to yourselves that at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, as partying and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unaware. Verse 35, for as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the earth. For most people, that's that's what's going to come. But he says, verse 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy. You have to be worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now, what must we do to be worthy? Well, first of all, let's, go, let's turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. There's something that we have to do. God's not going to do it all for us, but it's something that we have to do. In Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, as I'm warning you today through the prophecies of the Bible, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house or his family, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So we have some personal responsibility we must prepare for the worst. We must do all we can, and God will do the rest. And then Psalm 91, you should read that. It, it tells you that what you need to do, above even getting some food and, and getting certain things that uh, will help you uh, survive for three or four weeks or a couple of months if a nuclear bomb strike happens in your city or whatever, and then God preserves you. You need to obey God because you can store up all the food you want if you don't have love what's good in other words if you're not obeying God which which is the definition of love fulfilling the law he's not going to protect you he's not going to protect you now and my wife uh, showed me today the Haitians I think over a million of them repenting uh, that falls in line with Jeremiah chapter 18 let's turn to that again what it says I, I was glad to see that and uh, that's what we all need to do as a as a as a human race, repent like that. And if we do that, these prophecies won't happen. He said it, Jeremiah 18. I mean, the prophecies of destruction. Jeremiah 18, verse 7. He says that what instance I shall speak concerning a nation, and he speaks of the whole world basically in the book of Revelation in Isaiah chapter 24 and Isaiah 34 and many other places. He says at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up and to pull down and destroy it. So he said, at what instance he talks about destruction in the prophecies. Verse 8, if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, if they turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Now this applied back then as it does today. Because God does not change when he, when he makes rulings like this. Verse 9, and at what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice. Then I will repent of the good, whereof I said I would benefit them. So it works 
works both ways, ladies and gentlemen. The, the main thing is that we need to obey. But anyway, getting back to the Haitians, uh, it was good to see them do that. And I'm sure God is going to uh, respond to that, just like he respond, responded back um, in the days of Jonah with the, with the people of Nineveh. But they have to change. They have to change their ways. And, and uh, I heard that 100 uh, voodoo priests were, were converted, and they were having Mardi Gras there. So no wonder, you know, God doesn't cause devastations like that, as I was telling my wife today, for no reason. I mean, to, to allow 150,000 to 200,000 people to die like that, obviously there must have been some kind of wickedness or something, you know, uh, going on there. Not, not in every case is wickedness, but in a lot of cases there is. And lo and behold, there was. I mean, if they're doing Mardi Gras and then voodoo priests and all that, that that's not something that, that God likes, you know. So I feel sorry for them, but, you know, we're, we're no better than them. We're probably worse uh, with our wickedness. Um, as, as Ezekiel 16, verse 49 and 50 reveals, if you read that, these are the, the true sins of Sodom. Uh, we have pride. We eat too much in this country. And I'm going to go over that today uh, as far as the effects of that. Abundance of laziness we have in this country. We don't want to work like we like we would like to, uh, like we should. Um, the laziness has a lot to do, and I covered this with looking at television and, and looking at stupid movies like Avatar and looking at them over and over and over and over and over again like, like you can't do anything else with yourself but look at that. Uh, there's, there's a lot of other uh, wrong type of addictions that, that we have. Failure to help and care for the poor. This is a major problem that we have. And, of course, sexual perversion, which includes homosexuality, pornography, transvestite, and all, all the rest of this perversion that God condemns in the Bible. Uh, that has everything to do with the sins of Sodom. Ezekiel 16, verses 14. Let me turn to that. Ezekiel chapter 16. I have time here. This is what God is really angry about. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16, starting in verse 49. It says, Behold, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Now, this is the Bible's definition, not our definition of what Sodom is. The sins of Sodom. So let's pay attention. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her. And in her daughter said, Fullness of bread is an allusion to eating too much, having too much. An abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination, which includes the sexual abomination, before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. And what, what led to the, him taking them away? What, what led to the angels blinding them and, and telling Lot to, to leave? Well, when the men desired to, to have sex with the angels. That's what did it. That was the final straw. So we know that sexual perversion is in there in, in, in the category of abominations. We are one of the most stingiest nations in the world. We don't adequately take care of the poor in our country or in the world. We allow over 37 million people in this country, in this country, to not have enough food, according to Feeding America. You can go to feedingamerica.com and find it out for yourself. We're one of the fattest nations in the world. God prophesied about this in Deuteronomy 31, verse 20. Let's turn there. Deuteronomy 31, verse 20. Deuteronomy 31, verse 20, says, For when I shall have brought them into the land, which I swore unto their fathers, that flowed with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves in waxen fat, so he prophesied it would be waxen fat, then 
will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant? And that's the problem. I mean, when you got food in your tummy, uh, you know, the natural tendency is to forget about God. We are one of the laziest nations in the world. We lead the world in pornography production. Uh, we are the top video porn producers, according to FamilySafeMedia.com. Uh, the top erotica important cities in the United States are Los Angeles, Las Vegas, New York, and Chicago, according to FamilySafeMedia.com. So we we are a mess, ladies and gentlemen. We are a mess, and we need to repent just like the Haitians here, and hopefully an earthquake will not happen to motivate us to repent. But I wouldn't be surprised if it does if we continue on with uh, the sins of Sodom as we are in this country. We are guilty of every single last one of those sins because we, we, we have pride. We eat too much. I'm talking about collectively, not everybody, but the majority do this. We have pride. We eat too much. Or they're doing one of these sins, abundance of laziness, failure to help the, uh, the care for the poor, and sexual perversion. I think most Americans can admit they have a problem with one or not several of these uh, sins of Sodom. And we need to repent of that. I need to repent of it. And then you may be wondering, why are you talking about it? Are you any better? No. I'm, well, look, I'm doing the best I can to obey. I'm not a perfect person, but what prophet of God was perfect other than Jesus, ladies and gentlemen? He uses uh, he uses people that aren't perfect to to uh, to correct people. Isaiah 58, verse 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression." and the house of Jacob their sins. And that's what I'm doing. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness, and he knows that we don't in, in, uh, in most cases, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching the God. So he knows that we're a bunch of phonies, most of us. And, and uh, Revelation, uh, not, in Romans chapter 10, states this. Romans chapter 10, it says... Uh, Brethren, my in verse one, brother, Romans chapter ten, verse one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, which Psalm one nineteen verse one seventy two says is His commandments. So many of us are ignorant of His commandments, and going about to establish their own commandments, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. See, so we need to submit to the righteousness of God, ladies and gentlemen, not our own righteousness. And that's the problem, not only with Christians, but also Jews, with their Talmud and Mishnah. And they depend more on that than the actual words of God, which the whole covenant was based on. It wasn't based on an oral law. It was based on the written law. So anyway, let's get to, so I've explained that and... Um, you need to prepare yourself for the worst, ladies and gentlemen. You need to study Psalm 91 and trust God and do all you can to help yourself. And if you do that, you will be protected. And if he does allow you to go through something, it will be something that you can go through. You just have to trust him. You have to trust him. Okay, so let's talk about health here in the remaining, what, 25 minutes I have. Hopefully I could... Uh, go through all the scriptures I wanted to quote here. There's quite a few of them, but uh, let's understand, first of all, what a physician is. A physician is hebraically a healer. All right, There's nothing wrong with doctors, but you have your good doctors and you have your bad doctors, and in this country, unfortunately, you have more bad than good. But in Exodus chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15, 
verse 26, it states, and said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put, which is his application of his law, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. In other words, I'm your doctor, I'm your physician. If you just obey him, and part of obeying him, of course, is obeying the the, the laws of, of health as far as eating certain meats that he reveals, then he said none of these diseases will be upon thee. All right, and Psalm 103, Psalm 103. So first of all, if you want health, if you want vibrant health, you need to obey God. You need to obey God first. That's the first rule here. Psalm 103, Psalm 103, starting in verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. So there are benefits to obeying God, and this is one of them. Verse 3, Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases who redeems thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. So God is the one that does the healing. No doctor can heal you. No doctor can heal you. Okay? And then verse 5 says, Whoever who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that, that youth is renewed like the eagles. All right, so God is the one that heals. and But, however, he's given certain people the ability to help accelerate the healing or stimulate the healing by the use of herbs and, and, and other techniques to stimulate the healing that God has already programmed into our bodies. Uh, Exodus chapter uh, 21. Exodus chapter 21, starting in verse uh, 18, or 19, rather. If he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit, only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. So for somebody to cause him to be thoroughly healed, obviously that individual has knowledge to do that. Uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 32. I'm just going to quickly quote some scriptures here for lack of time here. Deuteronomy 32, verse... Uh, you can just review this uh, after I get through here. You can just review it again and write down the scriptures. Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. says, See now that I, even I, and he, there is no God with me. And this is interesting. See how that I, I, I is repeated two times. I wonder why. Anyway, that's a further Bible study. But anyway, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. So he's the one that heals. Again, I just wanted to point that out. Psalm 41. Psalm 41. Psalm 41, starting in verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. So he's telling you that's one of the ways of escaping, too, ladies and gentlemen. If you truly care about the poor Haitians and, and the poor Chileans all right, uh, and, and other people that are suffering in the world today, he promises to deliver you. So, you know, that, that's one of the rules, too, toward escaping what's about to happen here. But anyway, Psalm 41, verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou will not deliver him into the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing, and will make all his bed in the sickness. Now, 
Verse 4, it says, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. There's a better translation of that. Here, let me look up in the uh, complete Jewish Bible version. Psalms 41. Yeah, Psalm 41, verse 3, in the complete Jewish Bible version by David Stern. Adonai, the Lord, sustains them on their sickbed. When they lie ill, you make them recover. So that's a better translation of that. Okay, so when you care for the poor, God will care for you. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. says, Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? It is as a bow down his head as a bulrush and a spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Verse 7, Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, that thou bring the poor that thou cast out to thy house, when thou see the naked, that you cover him, and that you hide not thyself from thy own flesh, or your, your family, or relatives, the people you know, or human beings. Verse 8, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and your health shall spring forth speedily. So this, again, how you treat people has a lot to do with how God blesses you with health. So I just wanted to point that out. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 12. It says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So, even our Lord and Savior realizes that they're doctors and they do have some use and good. Matter of fact, Luke was a physician, one of his disciples. And you look at Colossians 4, verse 14, it's proof of that. Colossians 4, Colossians 4, verse 14, states the following. It says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Uh, greet you. Okay, so we know that Luke was a physician. So he, he he knew how to use certain herbs to heal people, and that's really what a physician is. But but unfortunately, uh, today in our modern society, a, a physician or doctor is looked at as someone who has drugs, and they and they really they take the pain away, but they really don't solve the problem. They don't have any solutions in reference to your ailment. But Luke did because he was a physician. And he knew how to apply certain herbs to heal you. And on top of that, of course, I'm sure God gave him miraculous healing powers as well, as he did Yeshua. Uh, in Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, how much time we have left here? 19 minutes. Okay, Second Chronicles. Chapter 16, starting in verse 12. Now, you don't want to depend too much on the physicians. The physicians aren't God. All they do is, is give you, what they should do is examine the body and give you certain herbs that they studied that will promote the healing that God has already designed the body to do. So, Second Chronicles chapter 16, starting in verse 12. And Asa in the 30 
and ninth year of his reign was disease in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord. So he didn't seek the Lord first. He needed to seek the Lord first and then the physicians, but he didn't do that. And then James gives you the proper instruction too in regards to this. James chapter 5 says um, in verse 14, If any sick among you is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him of oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Okay, so you pray first, and then you anoint uh, him with oil, and, and the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. Uh, and olive oil is also a, a, a good um, type of uh, plant that God created for medicine, for healing. And many people don't know that today. And uh, I'm going to get into proper diet here in a minute. I wanted to read also something from the book of Sirach, which uh, is Ecclesiasticus and the Apocrypha. Again, the Apocrypha has a lot of wisdom. I wouldn't consider it scripture, but uh, some of it perhaps is inspired because uh, how can you say this isn't? When I read it to you, it's, it's, it falls in line with what I've been telling you. Um, Sirach chapter 38 says, and starting in verse 1, it says, Honor physicians for their services, for the Lord created them. For their gift of healing comes from the Most High, and they are rewarded by the King. The skill of physicians make them distinguished, and in the presence of the great they are admired. The Lord created medicines out of the earth, and the sensible will not despise them. Was not water made sweet with a tree, in order that its power might be known? And he gave skill to human beings that he might be glorified in his marvelous works. By them the physician heals and takes away pain. The pharmacist makes a mixture from them, which is interesting. God's works will never be, not all drugs are bad, but a lot of them are. But God's works will never be finished, and from him health spreads over all the earth. My child, when you are ill, do not delay, but pray to the Lord. And this is what you do. You pray to the Lord first, and he will heal you. Give up your faults and direct your hands rightly, and cleanse your heart from all sin. Offer a sweet-smelling sacrifice and a memorial portion of choice flour. Uh, we can't offer sacrifices to the temple, so what we do today, the equivalent to that is to help the poor or to do something to help somebody. That's also a sacrifice, and that's what the sacrifice is alluded to and still, sh and still should allude to today. Verse 11 of Sirach. Offer a sweet-smelling sacrifice and a memorial portion of choice flour and pour oil on your offering as much as you can afford. Then give the physician his place. And then you go to the physician. <laughs> for the Lord created him. Do not let him leave you, for you need him. There may come a time when recovery lies in the hands of physicians, like someone shoots you. What are you going to do? You know, um, God knows you need to go to physicians for that. Uh, what, what if you uh, have uh, you, your 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 wife is pregnant? What are you going to do? You go to the doctor, right? Uh, you break your arm. What are you going to do? You go to the doctor, right? Doctors have their uses, and God acknowledges that here. And Sirach uh, 38, verse 13, There may come a time when the recovery lies in the hands of physicians, for they too pray to the Lord, or they should anyway, the good ones, that he grant them success in diagnosis and in healing for the sake of preserving life. He who sins against his maker will be defiant toward the physician. Okay? So you should not be defiant toward the physician. You should see a physician if you need to. But first you go to God and pray to him 
have a, an elder anoint you. And if there's no elder, just ask for God to heal you, and then you go to the physician if you need to. So those are the rules there. So back to Job. Job. Job chapter 13, verse 4, which reveals that there are some bad physicians that you need to stay away from. Job 13. Job 13, verse 4, states, says, but you are forgers of lies. You are all physicians of no value. So there can be physicians of no value, ladies and gentlemen. So you need to stay away from those type of physicians. And then in Luke chapter 8 is another example, and this is what many people are doing in this country. They're, they're ugh, Because of the ignorance that they have of not being able to take care of themselves, they, they go to these physicians that make it seem like they're going to help them, and they're not trying to help them. They're offering their money. But even back in the first century, they were doing that, as I'm going to prove to you here. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 43. It says, And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which has spent all her living, all her living, she spent all her living upon physicians, and neither could be healed of any. So that tells you right there that physicians don't heal. What they do, they give you herbs to help you heal. But, they, but overall, God is the one that's going to heal you. So you need to understand that. that that's very important to understand. And there's many other different examples in the Bible about, um, like, Isaiah chapter 1. Well, let me go to one significant scripture. Or Isaiah chapter 1 I'll go to here real quick. So I can't quote all the scriptures I wanted to quote. For lack of time here, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 6. Isaiah 1, verse 6, From the sole of the feet even unto the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. There we go. There's proof that God recognized that there were certain people raised up with the ability to, to, to stimulate the healing. Not to heal, but to stimulate the healing. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 7, In that day shall, shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. Now, a healer, again, is a physician, and he doesn't heal, but what he does is uses God's herbs to heal. He has that knowledge. And let me, let me see if I can find another scripture here real quickly. Herbs. I think the word is herbs, or herb, rather. Or it may be medicine. Yeah, medicine. Medicine. Here we go. And by the way, Proverbs 17, verse 22 states, A merry heart does like medicine, but a broken spirit drives the bone. So your attitude... Is a lot has a lot to do with your health as well, ladies and gentlemen. Ezekiel 47, verse 12. That's the scripture I wanted to refer to. And by the river upon the bank thereof, and on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat or food, whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary. And the fruit there shall be for food, and the leaves there are for medicine. So that tells you right there the, the fruits are for medicine. The herbs are for medicine. 
That's what I'm trying to say here. So that, that's very important to, to understand that. Trying to see if I can find some other ones here. Okay. So let's go back. How much time do we have left here? Uh, Ten minutes. All right, in Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 29 to 31. Now, I want you to understand that before the flood, we weren't allowed to eat any meat. All right, in Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 29, God said, Behold, I have given you every herb, vegetable, fruits, bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, and which is the fruit of a tree, yielding seed, to you, seed rather, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. So the the, the animals and, and the humans, all they ate was fruits and vegetables. But of course, sin caused things to be modified in terms of um, eating. And then after the flood, well, let's let's turn to Genesis chapter six to understand this. Um, starting in verse uh, 19. It says, Genesis chapter 6, it says, And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing in the earth after its kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep thee alive. And take, take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it unto thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou in all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation of every clean beast. So even then there was designation of a clean beast and an unclean beast. Thou shalt take to thee by sevens, and the male and female, and the beasts that are clean by two, and the male of his female. And then in, in Genesis 9, verse 1 to 4 reveals uh, that uh, God said it was okay to eat meat, of course, you understand all the scriptures and put them together. He didn't refer to any animal to be eaten, but only certain animals. And that's in Leviticus chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 14. And for lack of time, I can't quote those scriptures, but you can look those scriptures over uh, for yourself. And then uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 commands us the following. I have to read this one because it's very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Chapter 3, rather. First Corinthians chapter 3, starting uh, verse 16 to 17, it states, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defiles or destroy the temple of God, him shall God destroy. And that's pretty serious, ladies and gentlemen. God wants us to take care of our bodies. And he's saying if any man destroys, and of course, of course he's talking about on purpose, destroys the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which you are. Okay, and we are the temple of God, and that's another way of understanding it, but that's not in every, every time you see temple of God, it doesn't mean spiritual temple. It doesn't mean the people of God. It can mean the physical structure or the people of God. You have to look at the context. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, how much time I have left here? Uh, six minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 to 20. 
says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of God and not of your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. So we should be glorifying God in our body, which means we need to watch what foods we eat. And, you know, many people I know today are taught incorrectly that it's okay to eat pigs and you don't have to, that Jesus made foods all clean, which was, by the way, that phrase was added. Uh, you look in the original King James Version, it's not there. If you look at Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 35, Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 35 explains to you that, that, uh, that God wants all of mankind to obey his laws in reference to eating certain, certain meats. All right, so Acts chapter 10, verse 9 to 35. Just take the scriptures as they are, and I may read and study that. I actually may go over that next week. I probably will, so that you understand that. Okay, so what are some ways where we can take care of it? Well, your diet should consist of the following. It should consist of fruits and vegetables. You should get organic food at uh, organic food places if you can. You should start, try to stay away from or, uh, from meats that have steroids in it as much as possible. I know Myers, the, the grocery store where me and my wife shop at, they have meats that don't have pesticides, and, and not pesticides, but uh, steroids and other types of um, chemicals in it. You should try to stay away from that. You should also, if you can, find a Jewish grocery store and try to get uh, kosher uh Animals are animals that, that were killed properly. Uh, what I mean by killed properly, a lot of animals today are just slaughtered mercilessly, and and uh, it's just terrible. But the Jews know how to properly kill an animal, uh, mercifully do it, in a way where the, the meats are properly prepared. So if you can, you should try to find a Jewish grocery store, and if you can afford it, you should get meats the way they prepare because they do know how to do that. Um, also, you need to understand which herbs stimulate the healing processes based on your ailments, okay? And a website that I recommend that you go to, let me go to this website right now while I'm speaking to you here. Uh, let me go to it. You should stay away from milk the way they produce it today. Um, you should only get milk that is actually produced by a farm because the way they produce milk today, they put titanium dioxide in it, which is a, is a chemical that's not good for the body. Um, you should uh, eat rice milk, that, uh, drink rice milk. That's what my wife and my family consumes. Uh, plenty of fruits and vegetables. You should eat fish more so than you eat chicken and red meat. Red meat should be consumed maybe once or twice and maybe three times a month. Uh, chicken and uh, turkey maybe once or twice a week. But the majority of your meat should be fish. Fish is very healthy for you. And then uh, vegetables. Vegetables. You, you should consume vegetables and fruit. Uh, no pop. No candy. No... Don't eat anything that has any high fructose corn syrup. And then also soy. Soy is not good for you. It's not really considered food. The only soy that is good for you is the food that's found in China, the soy that's found in Chinese food. And uh, this is something that uh, I'm going to probably have to extend a little bit in the next Bible study because <laughs> I'm not through. But this website 
let me go to this website here. It's called herballegacy.com. So you go to www.herballegacy.com, H-E-R-B-A-L-L-E-G-A-C.com, forward slash ailments and programs. All right, and when you get, go to that website, let me go to it now. If you go to the Herbal Legacy, it, it has a section where you can click on, let me go to the front page here. It's Dr. Christopher's Herbal Legacy. And this, and this man, he believed in God, and he felt that God inspired him to, for, uh, to obtain certain knowledge on how to uh, use herbs for healing. And when you get, get to uh, the Herbal Legacy website, click on ailments and programs. And what you can do is type in whatever ailment you have, or you could uh, actually go on the list here. He has a, a list of ailments, the most popular ailments known to man. And you click on that, and he provides uh, herbal solutions for it, uh, or certain herbs to be able to promote the healing that God has already designed our bodies to do. So I'll leave you with that, and I'm going to pick up on this to close on this next week on uh, going into a little more detail about how we eat, how we should eat, and how we should exercise and so forth next week. So until then, may God bless and keep you, and I'll speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.